Good morning. Happy anniversary. Happy birthday, whatever Happy 12 it is. years, 12 guys. years as a church. Oh my goodness, can you believe it? We're here. We are now entering third, we are a teen, guys. We are a teen, entering into year 13. This is amazing. We're growing up, growing up. We're growing up. Yeah. I want to take a moment to just honor people. Um, and everybody's getting honored today. But let me just start with the group. Um, you've been at the Exchange Church for three years or less. You've joined since January or February of 2020. And if this is your first day, you qualify. Um, three years or less, please stand to your feet. Three years or less. Wow. Stay, stay standing. Yes. Stay standing. I, I have to tell you, I love you, Tracy. Uh, I have to tell you that you are proof that the church is still alive. Yeah. That you came at a time in the life of our church where our teams and our body desperately needed encouragement. We desperately needed to know that what we were laying down our lives for was worth it. And you encouraged us to keep going. You showing up here and getting planted here just reminded us that God is still on the throne pandemic or no pandemic, economy crazy or good, God is still moving among us and God is ultimately responsible for building this church. So we honor you today, all of our newbies. I know three years you've been here forever, I know. You may, you may sit down. Now I just have to honor, if you've been here before COVID, so before 2020, so three to nine years, so after somewhere roughly 2013 to 2020, if you started attending, please stand. I have to tell you, when I was thinking about you guys, I was, I just coined the name for you. You are a ride or die group. You have, you have seen this church in so many different seasons of life the pinnacle of success and the, oh Lord, we're in a dark valley. Where are thou, Lord? What's going on? What's going on? Um, yeah. You are, you've been there. You continue to show up. Um, and that's really underrated in our culture, just continuing to show up to the table. And so I honor you today uh, for just who you are and being here at the Exchange Church. You are the heartbeat of this church. We love you yeah. guys very much. Can we honor these people? Amazing. You may be seated. Okay, and then finally, um, I'd want to honor what I would call the OGs, the original gangsters of the house. They've been here for 10 or more years. Maybe they launched the church with us in 2010, uh, but 10 or more, so 10, 11, 12 years. Will you please stand to your feet? Wow. Wow. Incredible. You know, someone someone shared with me right before service that they were surprised that they had been in church for 12 years, in the same church for 12 years, but really just surprised that they had actually stepped foot back in church and had been here for the whole 12 years. And they were so grateful and it just touched my heart. And they said, you know, you just don't even know. I was so angry at God for so long. So for me to step my foot back in church and then to be here for 12 years, it's just a miracle. And it just touched my heart. And so I'm so grateful for you guys. Yeah. 
I really hope that you sense the weight of how God has used you among us. Um, uh, in 2010, in a matter of six months, we went from a family of four to a family of crazy. And they will all agree. They would all, every one of them. Addison, Jordan, Tristan, we adopted them. We moved city, moved home, moved career, left the comfort of a paycheck, and we really did not know if anyone was going to show up. I mean, you've heard this joke many times, but I knew that at least my five kids would be attending. And there you were. We said yes, and there you were. And, man, I just don't want you to ever underestimate the value of time the time in and what you've given to this house. You you have been used by God to create a foundation that's changing our city. And I just want to honor you and thank you for that. Can we celebrate our OGs? Y'all are awesome. You may be seated. Now listen, if, if this is your first day, in 30 years, you're going to be an OG. Don't be jealous of the OG. Somebody had to OG. Anyway. Why don't, you, why don't you just bless our spirits, pray over the sermon, pray God uses me, pray God lets us hear what he's trying to say this morning. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have. We're so grateful, Lord, for all that you've done, yes. and we're so grateful for what's to come. We know that you have just great things ahead for the Exchange Church, for the people in this church, God. Lord, there's always more, always so much more. We never fully arrive. Um, There's just so much more in you. And so, Father, I just pray, God, that we would just fully grasp all that you have for us in this season, Lord, that we would connect more deeply than ever before, first of all, with you, Holy Spirit. Just connect so deeply with you, Holy Spirit, and with each other. And I just pray, God, that you would just help us to become like a family like never before. God, we thank you, and we worship you, Father, and we don't take anything that you've done for granted because it's pretty miraculous what you've done here, Lord, in our family and in our in our church and in each other's lives. And we're so, so grateful, Father. And we just praise you. We ask you to anoint Pastor Trey today. Anoint the rest of the service, God. We know that you're already here. We sense your sweet, sweet spirit. And we just invite you to come and, and do whatever it is that you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, baby. Well... I want to start out by telling you my most favorite memory in the past 12 months at the Exchange Church. Um, So many great things have happened, but this is my favorite. Um, I did a sermon several months back, and I handed out, when you walked in the door, little bars of soap. Anyone remember those little bars of soap? We still have extra if you're running low. When you order in bulk, you get more than you need. Well, we handed them out, and, you know, one of our members, who's not here today, unfortunately, because I would just love to call her on stage, uh, Miss Jill Sturkel, uh, showed up just a few minutes after the lights had dimmed. She got her bar of soap and sits down, and Brandon's there, her son, and we're in worship and all of that. And in the middle of my sermon, or, or I guess at the end of worship, she gets her bar and she opens it and uh, didn't read the label and she thought it was white chocolate. Took a massive bite of it and then started blowing bubbles. 
And so, you know, had I thought about it, I would have presented her with a giant chocolate bar or white chocolate bar this morning, but that is my favorite memory. Um, The Lord cleaned her soul and mouth that day. We've been in a season of strengthening our core. C-O-R-E, commitment and our reach. And I've asked you over the last maybe eight months, seven, eight months since I've rolled that out to continue to add one, plus one, plus one in your commitment, plus one in your reach. And we've really talked about that and prayed about that and, and pushed that. And as we head into year 13, Carrie and I have been praying, asking the Lord, what is the theme for the Exchange Church? What's next? I think we've done a good job in stewarding the theme of strengthen your core, but the Lord is, is leaning us into the next step And I want to share that with you today, where I believe, at least, that God is taking us um, over the next year. So starting today until September of next year, you're going to hear our leaders talking about it. We're going to be helping you learn about it, and we're going to be moving in this direction, all right? I believe that this next year, year 13, this is the year of connecting deeply. This is the year of connecting deeply. Deeply, I believe that's what the Spirit of God is telling me for our congregation. Maybe, maybe for the global church. Because the truth is, over the last few years, we've all learned how to disconnect. We've learned how to do life alone. We've learned how to set up camp on an island called safety. We've, we've learned how to do church with just me and Jesus in our prayer closet, forgetting that actually there's a lateral movement that God wants to do in the world with our brothers and sisters, and that doesn't happen in isolation. Now, I'm not faulting or blaming anyone for the desire to withdraw. We were going through some scary times. I don't want to minimize that. But I believe that the wind of God is blowing on the church to connect deeply in a way that we've not seen in years. Connect deeply. What does that mean? I'm not saying just with each other, though that's important, that's foundational, and you're going to be seeing this challenge you to connect more, to, to step out on a limb, connect more, meet somebody new, go to someone's house and play a board game, and, and don't get offended if you lose the game, you know, like connect deeply with other people, but also we're going to challenge you to connect deeper with God, to understand who God really is, not just in the context of the world, but in the context of your life. That job that you're going to every single day, that family that you're getting frustrated with, that, the, the circumstances, that bank account, what, what is God saying about that? We're going to connect deeply with him this year. We're going to be very intentional. I'm going to help you connect with God on a deeper level. In fact, coming up, and I don't know the date, but in the next month or two, on a Wednesday night, we're going to have a worship night. Our worship team, is this in November, Michaela? It's a Wednesday night in November. We're not promoting it yet, but when we do, you mark your calendars because it's intentional. It's strategic. It's a way that you and I can come together. There's not going to be any preaching. There's probably going to be healings. There's probably going to be people slain in the Spirit, people prophesying, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Like There's a move of God, just no sermon. It's going to be worship. We're going to offer our full hearts to God on that Wednesday because we believe this is a season of connecting deeply. But not just connecting with God, not just connecting with each other. We want you to connect deeply with yourself. Oh, you have really learned to numb out 
the past. You have really learned to walk with a limp. You have really learned to embrace the trauma. But is that God's highest and best for you? We're going to connect deeply with ourselves. And that's not introspective. It's not you doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit doing the work inside of you. And we're going to help you over this next year connect more deeply to yourself. I'm always surprised how often we don't even know what we're feeling. We can't even label the emotions that we feel oftentimes. Sometimes we think we're angry and we're not actually angry at all. We're afraid. And if we would learn to recognize the root of fear that's in our life, our relationships could immediately improve because we'd stop spewing this anger over everyone and realize that God's already fought the battle for the the fear that we're dealing with. So we're going to connect deeply with ourselves, all right? But, you know, that would be enough, Jaren, if it were God, each other, and ourselves. But also this year, oh, it is just burning down in my soul that we're going to connect more deeply with our city. We're not going to do church here without the lighthouse going out to the surrounding streets, the neighborhoods, the prostitutes in Austin, the homeless in Round Rock, the, the hungry in Hutto. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've got to reach the world, church. That God didn't build a church so that you could get fat. Spiritually fat. He built the church so that you could grow in him so that you could be an image bearer of the cross and the resurrection and and Jesus with skin on and you can go out into the highways and the byways and you can rescue those who are lost. That's that's what we need to focus on this year. So we're going to be doing more outreaches. You know the food out in the front. For the past two months, we've been collecting food. That table is is now full. It's, It's good food. But in a week or two, that's switching to diapers. And it's not because my daughter's pregnant. I'm not trying to fill her closet. I happen to believe that God wants every baby born alive. And if I believe that, then I need to help every mother succeed in raising their babies. Come on. The church needs to be the church. We don't preach against sin without providing a need that the community has. We're going to connect more deeply with moms who desperately need the church to be the church. So this is the year we connect deeply. We are connecting deeply. You know, there are two times in life when deep connection are important. When things are going really good and in times of great suffering. I don't know if you've ever just had really awesome news or got got something really amazing that happened to you and then you just realize you've burned all your bridges and you have no one to celebrate with you. That's an awful place to be. And maybe you've been in a place where there's been great suffering and there's been great loss in your life. And you turn around and there's no one there to cry with you, to weep with you, to pray with you. We have to build those connections before we get to the mountaintop and before we get to the valley. Because those relationships are forged in moments like these where we come together, we get to know one another, we get to know each other's heart. Now, I've listed some benefits of connecting deeply. I have some good news and bad news about connecting deeply. I'm going to give it all to you. Is that okay? Can you handle the bad news if I give you the good news? Okay. Here's the good news of connecting deeply. You don't have to spend energy guessing other people's motives. Now, I don't know if you were raised in church, but if you were raised in church, church politics can be a real thing. 
That's not here. I hope it's not here. I don't know if, if it's here. It's a blind spot of mine. But connecting deeply means I don't have to guess your motives. I don't have to wonder if you're for me or if you're suddenly positioning yourself against me. If I'm connecting deeply, I know your heart and you know my heart. That's a benefit. That's the good news. We, we don't have to spend energy guessing motives. Another benefit is of connecting deeply, Stephen, is you don't have to get easily offended. When I'm connecting deeply, your words, your behavior, your choices, your thoughts, your political opinion, your family opinion, your financial persuasions, they, they don't offend me because I know your heart. It's all right to be different in certain areas of life because I know your heart. Are you with me, church? Listen, we're a very diverse church. I'm not, I'm not talking about skin color. I'm talking about motives of the heart. Very diverse church. And you know how we're going to continue to flourish and thrive is by connecting deeply. We don't connect on political issues. We don't collect on financial status. We don't connect on education level. We connect on the power of the cross together. We come together, you and I, we get to know each other's heart. And then we don't have to get easily offended. And I've spent too much of my life being offended. I'm glad that doesn't have to happen anymore. Another benefit, you don't have to keep score. When you connect deeply, you don't have to keep score of how many times they've called you or how many times you've called them or who's asked who out to dinner or who's paid, who paid for lunch last. Do you know what I mean? If you need help not keeping score, I will let you take me out to lunch and I will let you pay. We won't keep score. You can take me out again next week. I'll let you pay. We won't keep score. Another benefit of connecting deeply is you don't walk in fear because perfect love casts out all fear. Another benefit of connecting deeply is addictions are broken in the group. Did you know that connection, and by the grace of God, obviously there's, there's power from the Holy Spirit that allows addictions to be broken and and sometimes we're looking for a miracle and a breakthrough when God is call it, calling us to a season of perseverance. I hope this is settling in the room. Right? Sometimes that addiction is broken through multiple relapses or struggles and challenges, not because God isn't giving you breakthrough, but God is calling you to persevere. And there's power in perseverance. There's also power in breakthrough. But here's what social psychologists will tell you. Anyone that has any addiction struggles with disconnection. Well, if God is calling us to a season of connecting deeply, I think a natural byproduct of that is going to be addictions are going to be broken in the room. Anyone excited about that? I, I would be okay being known as the church where addictions fall off because the power of connection is so strong right? Where, where that person comes in off the street and they are so seen and so known and so loved that they're not looking to run away or escape through addiction. Another benefit of connecting deeply is you get to give up the control games. You don't have to be in control. It's so much easier to surrender in the context of connecting deeply. Another benefit, I need to move quickly because this is really just my intro and I've got a word for you. 
Um, you're free to be who God made you to be instead of feeling the pressure to perform for people. Um, connection and vulnerability is the route that God always uses for healing. Some of us have been begging God for healing, and he's already given us the prescription that says, confess your sins one to another, not so you may be saved, but so that you may be healed. Some of us have uh, hidden sins, secret sins, that we are continuing to wrestle with, not because God doesn't want to heal you, but he's already told you that happens in the context of connecting deeply with brothers and sisters. In a men's group, where you sit down and you talk about the struggles that you're having, that connection, confessing your sin one to another, makes room for healing. This is going to be an exciting year for the Exchange Church. Connection is required, required to walk in your purpose. You will never walk in your purpose in isolation. Never. Jesus is the head. He came to establish the body of Christ. You're a part of a system, a living organism. Your purpose is not wrapped up in your own gift and your island that you sit on. Connection allows you to be real, authentic, the hot mess that you already know that you are, without fear of being punished or pushed away because of it. We're building a real church here, an authentic church, a church where Jesus is the famous one. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to put on a show and act like you're perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to claim victory when you're still struggling and fighting and some days you feel like you're in defeat. We just want you to be honest. We want you to be real. We want to connect deeply together because at the end of the day, when you and I can lay things on the table and truth is exposed, then we allow God to come in and bring healing to the situation. So we're going to connect deeply this year. That's the good news. Now the bad news. <laughs> Everyone ready? You ready for the bad news, Jordan? Okay. The bad news is connecting deeply takes work, and it requires time. Connection happens when there are consistent investments over time. It means showing up to the table consistently, even when you don't feel like showing up, because you have a word to give someone, and there's a word at the table that God wants to plant inside of you. Connecting deeply doesn't happen in the context of a 67-minute service on a Sunday morning. Connecting deeply means you have to actually invite people over to your house and be okay if it's a little bit dirty. Be okay if the kids have left the toys around. And if you're not okay with it, get your kids to clean it. <laughs> Investing time and in, in inviting people over to dinner. Are we a family or not? I mean, a church family needs to be engaging. You know, Carrie talked about a couple weeks ago, Every day they met together. The first century church, every single day. Now, I'm not suggesting that we do that. I'm not suggesting if you want to come over to my house every day, I'm going to assign you chores. <laughs> A year of connecting deeply. We're going to get planted. We're going to get rooted. We're going to get grounded. And I prophesy that this year is going to be a year of tremendous growth for you. Purpose is going to come alive in dimensions that you did not even know existed. I believe that life in 12 months, you're going to look back and it's going to be so much different. If you will, like Carrie and I and our team, 
lean into what the Spirit of God is saying, and put more focus on connecting deeply. Can we do that? All right, if you're going to do that with us, task number one. You have a note card on your table. I want you to get a pen, and I want you very largely to write your first name. Write your first name and make it visible so everyone else at the table can see your name, so your table host can see your name. Write your name on the note card and write it big. If you're watching online, go ahead and type your name in the comment section. Give us your favorite emoji. If you're committed to connect more deeply this year, go ahead and just get your name on the roster. We don't have church membership here. We call, we call it just doing life together, showing up, being present. If that's you online, go ahead and put your name Connection is a foundation of Christian faith. And I want to talk to you about connection today. And the title of my message is A Tale of Two Tables. A Tale of Two Tables. In Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, we get some insight on the table of the Lord. And... Um, We'll read that together. I, I want you to see how the table of the Lord is kind of woven throughout Scripture today and how it's at the table that we connect deeply. This is the measure from which Holy Spirit infuses things into our life, that we lean into Him, that we connect more deeply with God, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit at the table of the Lord. Go with me to Malachi chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. I'm reading in the ESV. It says, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name in a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? So what's going on in this text, the table of the Lord, the children of Israel are complaining. They're not happy. They, they despise the table. They're annoyed by it. They, they're frustrated that they have to show up at the table of the Lord. Um, they're complaining over and over and over. And, and God says to them, wait a minute, let's stop the complaining about the table. And let's understand one thing. I'm a great God. In fact, I'm so great that one day all the nations of the world are going to burn incense to me. Now listen, Israel, I've given you a little privilege of being the first. You get to, you get to walk first into the season of honoring me, showing up at my table, burning incense. And it's not just all about you, Israel, but you're going to blaze the trail for the rest of the nations to understand what it means to come to the Lord's table. I'm a great God. 
Why are you complaining? Why are you frustrated? But still, they were upset. God, we thought you were for us. We thought you were going to deliver us. We thought life was going to be, we thought we were your chosen people. I thought I was your favorite son. I thought I was your favorite daughter. The Israelites were going through a season. They were having economic collapse. They were having family issues. Their towns were being overrun by locusts, like like pestilence. Sounds a lot like America, doesn't it? Their life was crazy. And they're going through the motions of showing up to the table. But they're not understanding why God's not doing his part. Why are you not rescuing us from this pandemic situation? Why are you not rescuing us from this economic downfall? Why are you not rescuing us from, from going to Chick-fil-A and them not having enough workers to get me out in 15 seconds? That's tough. That is tough. When you have to wait in Chick-fil-A for 17 seconds, it's, I'm not happy. Not happy. But why was God upset that they were complaining about the table? Well, first of all, let's make sure you understand what the table is in the Old Testament. The table of the Lord in the Old Testament was an altar. The altar was the place that they would bring a goat, a sheep, a lamb, calf, whatever sacrifice that needed to be made, and they would slit its throat and let the blood run out. And they would burn the sacrifice on the table of the Lord. An altar. And it stunk. The burning flesh. It, it was not like a filet mignon on the grill. It was disgusting. The stench was in their nostrils. And day after day they were having to go to the temple to make this sacrifice. And they were fed up with it. They're like, we're doing all this for you, God. Meanwhile, our lunch at home... Our Chick-fil-A is getting eaten by locusts. What's the deal? So they're complaining. And God's upset. God says, but I'm a great God. Now, why was God upset that Israel was complaining? For you to understand that, I have to give you a little theology lesson. Okay? We have to understand something about the nature of God. God is transcendent. That means he sits outside of His creation. There is nothing in his creation, in the galaxies of the world, that can contain him. He is transcendent. He transcends it all. And at the very core of his transcendence, his otherness, his separateness, is holiness. Now, holiness doesn't mean you don't drink caffeine. Holiness isn't you don't cut your hair or you don't wear makeup. Holiness means set apart. God was so set apart. He is a transcendent God and he is so set apart from this world that we call home. He is holy. When the angels are crying out, holy, 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 it's not because God doesn't make a mistake, which he doesn't, but that's not why. It's because he is set apart. There is no one beside him. There is no one within arm's distance of him. 
There is no one higher than him. There is no one smarter than him. There is no one more merciful than him. There is no one more loving than him. He is set apart. He is a transcendent God that one day all the nations of the earth will recognize and burn incense to. He was set apart. And what stinks for God is that he created you and I to connect deeply with him. He wanted to walk the garden and connect deeply with you. But sin created a blockage between a transcendent God and a people of sin. So God invited us to a table. That table in the Old Testament was a way so that he and me could again connect. A human with flaws and failures could connect with a transcendent God because the table of the Lord, the altar, a substitute was made. Because sin entered into the world, he had to address it. He's a holy God. He couldn't just be okay with connecting deeply with people that were okay with connecting deeply with sin. So he created a table. He created an altar. He made a way. He set up a sacrificial system because sin had to be addressed and he loved man. So the death of an animal removed the distance between God and man. The book of Malachi describes that their life was a wreck and they're complaining about the table. And God doesn't get it because what they don't understand was if it wasn't for the table, they would have no connection with God. If it wasn't for having to sacrifice the lamb, sacrifice the goat, sacrifice the calf, if it wasn't for that, they would have zero connection with God. Like the table, the, the Lord's table, the altar wasn't just optional, it was the way to God. So why are you complaining about it? You could have not the table, and then I'll just remove my hand from you. I'll remove my presence from you. I'll remove the fire and the cloud from you. But the table was made so that you and I, in Malachi's day, could be in relationship with God. You're tired of something that's the source of your life. This is in the Old Testament. You're tired of something that's going to make a way for you to be delivered. You're tired of something that's going to make a way for you to be free. You're tired of something that's sustaining you. You're tired of something that I've implemented so that you can be blessed. You see, the table of the Lord in Malachi was the way that God issued covenant blessing. So if you lived in that time, you would have to show up to the table of the Lord to receive the blessing of the Lord. I'm glad I'm not an Old Testament preacher. I'm a New Testament preacher. And I want to move to the New Covenant. Can we do that? The Old Covenant was with the Israelites. The New Covenant is with the church. Israelites today can become the church. They can step into the New Covenant. 
God still honors his covenant with the Jews. It's an everlasting covenant. So that's why we pray for Israel. The church has not replaced Israel. But there is a new covenant by which you and I can have access to God. And I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to look at another table of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 16 says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So here Paul is talking about communion, all right? Communion, bread and wine. Bread and juice. Wafers, crackers, and juice. Communion. The bread is the body. The juice is the blood. That's what Jesus said. I know we, we say, we like to say, some churches say the bread represents the body, the juice represents the blood, and that's fine. That's just not what Jesus said. Jesus said, this bread is my body, and this, this wine is my blood. So I'm just going to go with Jesus says, okay? I don't know theologically how all that plays out, um, and that's not the topic of my sermon today. But I will tell you that you start to honor something when you realize It doesn't represent, it is. It is the body of Christ. It is the blood of Jesus. He's talking about communion. And when you're taking communion, it ain't just a snack. Now, I was sitting at home. This is a side note. Last night I was looking at some commentaries and I happened to have my screen open. We had family at the house and friends from out of town at the house. And I I was talking and I just had this thing on my computer screen And Carrie looks over, and there were these words that I didn't write. The commentator wrote them, and it said, communion, it's not just a snack. And so Carrie laughed, and she was like, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And the whole room laughs, thinking I said, communion, it's not just a snack. And I'm like, I didn't say it. A theologian said it. So anyway, I get here this morning, and it's so hilarious. I'm I'm helping set up the communion, and little Caitlin Wheeler comes over to me, and she goes, what is that? Is that a snack? No, Caitlin, communion is, is, is not a snack. <laughs> Do you remember the people in Malachi were profaning the table of the Lord? They, they didn't appreciate it. They didn't get it. They didn't want to participate in it. Now, fast forward into the new covenant. We see the Apostle Paul is having to deal with the very same issues with the church in Corinth. They, they were profaning the table of the Lord. They just didn't get it. They lost the meaning of it. And in Corinthians, they missed the point. And then we jump down to verse 21. And Paul says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know what we just discovered? There are two tables. We just discovered in our text that there are two tables. There is the table of the Lord, and there's a table of demons. Oh, pastor, I've been saved. I've been washed by the blood. I only show up to the table of the Lord. The demons have no impact. That spiritual warfare business, I've just, let's not address that. Paul was addressing believers Believers who were visiting the table of the Lord and also the table of demons. 
in the New Testament church. They were washed by the blood. They were saved by grace. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, you still can visit two tables. Are you with me? The Lord has a table. Demons have a table. On Sunday, we may be eating from the table of the Lord. But on Monday, which table are you sitting at? Monday through Saturday, which table are you sitting at? Do you have reservations at both, just in case you can't decide? Remember, the purpose of the table is to connect deeply with God, with the provider of the table. When you eat at the table, you're sharing the life of the provider of the table. That's what verse 16 said. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? Is this not participation in the body of Christ? So if we're participating in the body and the blood of Christ, are we not sharing a life with Christ when we sit at the table of the Lord? When we sit at the table of the Lord, we are sharing the life of Christ When we sit at the table of demons, we are sharing in the life of demons. There are two tables. In the New Testament church, there were demons. There are demons in the church of 2022. I want to make sure that we all understand as we're going through life, over these next 12 months, that the problem we encounter in life, the the challenges we encounter in life, the problem is not the problem. Addicted to pornography, that's not the problem. Addicted to alcohol, that's not the problem. Screaming at your kids, that's not the problem. Cheating on your spouse, not the problem. Sealing on your taxes, not the problem. Having an abortion, not the problem. Living in sexual sin, not the problem. Have I made my point clear? The problem is not the problem. The problem is what is sponsoring the problem. The problem is what is serving the problem at the table that you've sat at. This is why the struggles that you and I encounter, we continue to see them circle and cycle back through our life over and over again because we keep trying to fix the problem, but the problem's not the problem. The problem is the thing, the entity that we are choosing to share our life with and choosing to adopt their life from. It's the table you sat at. And every day you're getting invitations from demonic activity to come and sit at this table. Come on, one one little, one little look. One, 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 one. Uh, They're not home. They're not going to know. Come sit at the table. You can repent after. God is gracious. God loves you. He forgives you 99 times nine, 77 times seven, thousand times a thousand. Come on, just one more time. Just again, I I know you said you weren't going to do that. Come on. God is gracious. Come sit at your table. There are two tables. The problem isn't just the problem. We, We may try to evict the sin, 
crush the sin, but the, the sin is not the problem. It's the endorsing agent. You know, at your house, maybe you find a roach. Not at your house, at your neighbor's house. You find a roach and you stomp on the roach and you hear the... Or you spray something, or if you're a roach lover, you get a piece of paper and you put it outside. And you get rid of that roach and you think the roaches are gone. And they are, kind of. The ones that you can see. But that roach, just beyond the wall, in the inner workings of the house, they got some cousins and aunts and uncles and nephews and nieces that when the lights go out, they're going to come out. That's why you can't just deal with the roach you see. You got to get the orkin man on site and you got to spray those beams and you got to reach the foundation and you got to understand that there is a spiritual endorsement on everything that's trying to take you out. It's not, it's not your ex that's the problem. It's not your past trauma that's the problem. The problem is you have a very real enemy that you cannot see. But wait, pastor, I'm already saved. I'm already saved. I've already sat at the table of the Lord. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Doesn't that just take take care of it all? Listen, if you're married, you understand that you can be married and happy. You can be married and lonely. You can be married and dysfunctional. You can be married and miserable. There is a legal sharing that takes place. When Carrie and I said, I do, by the way, yesterday was 28 years of marriage, my bride and I. We haven't celebrated yet, but she mentioned something about Hawaii. And I said, well, I hope you got big faith. So I bought her a globe. No, I'm just kidding. 28 years of marriage yesterday. And we've had seasons. The entire 28 years we have been legally married. But there were seasons where we were emotionally distant. We were disconnected. Not understanding one another. Not communicating. There was not intimacy in the relationship. You can be legally married and have zero intimacy. And so many Christians are walking around thinking and mistaking intimacy with Christ with a legal document that says you're saved and on your way to heaven. Intimacy happens when you're sitting at the table of the Lord over and over and over again. We need to move beyond this concept of just our legal identity in Christ. I mean, some of you need to get there. Some of you just need to understand you're actually a son and God's not ripping that away from you. You're a daughter and he's not dangling a carrot for you to perform. Like if you're not there, you need to be there. But that's step one of the relationship. We need to move you from the legal standing of authority in Christ to an intimate standing in Christ. So then we go on to the next chapter, 1 Corinthians. Can I have, can I have five more minutes? I just need to... Can I have ten more minutes? <laughs> fifteen, fifteen. 
I think I can get this done in five minutes. Talked about the two tables. Jesus always has a reservation for you at his table. Satan always has a reservation for you waiting at his table. The choice is yours to make. Which table you're going to sit at. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, and this, this is why there's such power in communion. The table of the Lord, the Old Testament table of the Lord was an altar. The New Testament table of the Lord is communion. And we see why in chapter 11, 23 through 26, why communion is so powerful. Let's read this. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Isn't that amazing that Jesus, before he was crucified, he took the bread, he broke it, symbolizing his body that was going to be broken, and he gave thanks. Knowing what he was going to enter into, he gave thanks. Why did he give thanks? He gave thanks because he knew what it meant for you. He knew what the sacrifice meant for you. He took the bread. He gave thanks. Verse 24. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And verse 26 is the power verse we're going we're gonna to land the plane on. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. On the cross, your sin was paid for. All sin, all humanity, you can receive the sacrifice of Jesus and you are immediately in right standing with Jesus Christ, with God, with your creator, with this transcendent being who calls himself your dad. That was done on the cross. But there's something that you and I can do. We can show up to the table as often as we want and partake in, in this that Jesus says is powerful. Now, why is this powerful? It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <laughs> I know it's not said in yet. But communion, when you find out it's being served at church, your heart should skip a beat. There should be a little pep in your step. You should take two for seconds. You should... Sit on the front row. You should be right in the middle of it. You should feel this thing inside of you because you understand the power of, of this. What is the power of this, Trey? I'm glad you asked. Jesus says that when you drink the bread, no. He did not say that. Jesus said, when you eat the bread, you drink the juice. 
You're preaching a sermon. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When you eat the bread, when you drink the juice, you're sharing in the life of Christ. You're sharing in the death, burial, victorious resurrection of Christ. And when you receive these elements, you're preaching a sermon proclaiming the goodness of God and his eventual return. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) Who are you preaching to? Well, that's where it gets exciting. You're preaching to the people that are inviting you to the second table. You're preaching to the spirit realm who's trying to lure you back into sexual sin, back into addiction, back into anger, back into frustration. You're saying, wait a minute, wait, that sounds good, but hold on. Yes, I need to proclaim something before I sit down in that chair. I need to proclaim that the body was broken and the blood was shed so that I can be victorious through Christ. This is a victory meal. That's what it is. You're proclaiming to the enemy that he's already lost. Every bite that you take is just shouting. It's, It's echoing through the canyons of hell, saying, I was wounded. He was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. That's what communion is doing for you. So you feel like hell's attacking you. You feel like demons are taunting you. You just feel like things are spinning out of control. You know what you need to do? Find yourself at the table of the Lord. Because the table of the Lord is where covenantal authority flows. Covenantal authority doesn't flow through singing worship. Covenantal authority doesn't flow through sermons. Covenantal authority flows when you receive the body and when you receive the blood. As often as you do it. As often as you do it. You preach that sermon. At the exchange, we try to do communion once a month. and Sometimes it goes six weeks. Sometimes it goes two or three Sometimes the devil is just kind of, you know, and I don't want to give the devil too much credit, but he's tricky. He's annoying. He, he, he will send his little minions to show up and make me think it's my kids that I'm upset with. And it ain't. It's a spiritual attack straight from the pit of hell. And instead of me addressing who sent that platter to the table, I, I pretend that I'm against the flesh and blood that's right in front of me. So once a month may be too much distance because when, when the devil's banging up on you, you may need communion every day. You, need, you may need to be preaching this sermon every day to the spirit realm around you. So every Sunday in the back, we have that table of communion. You're having a rough time during worship that week. Job's going crazy. You're losing financial status, whatever the issue. You find yourself at the table and you go preach a message. You preach a message to the enemy who's trying to steal your kids, rob your joy, make you go crazy. Preach a message with communion. That's what we're about to do right now. I want to invite up our table host real quick. The first century church, communion, you know, wasn't provided in a cellophane 
plastic, plastic cup and cellophane wrapper. But just as Jesus did, they took the bread, they broke it. And it was a very intimate thing. An eye to eye, man to man, woman to woman, man to woman, woman to man. It was like a heart to heart, a, a deeply connected experience. So in the year of connecting deeply, I can't think of any better way to start than connecting deeply together, you and me, with the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, with the victory that he's already won for us. Carrie. broken just for you. Lawrence, son, this juice is the blood that as it spilled, he thought of you. This bread is the body broken for you. Family, Will you just hold the blood and the body in your hand? And just look out, look around the room. Look at the number of people just in this room that Jesus rescued. That Jesus gave his life for. What you're a part of is something bigger than you. But he still would have done it if it was just for you. Father, we give you thanks for sending Jesus, for creating a new covenant table of the Lord so that we can have a relationship with you, so that we can connect deeply with you. God, let us not take for granted the opportunity to know a transcendent God who is so holy, so set apart but yet pursues us. Even in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our unbelief, you pursue us. So we give thanks. We give thanks and we proclaim that Jesus is coming again. He's conquered the cross. He's conquered the grave. And he's going to conquer the, king, conquer the kingdoms of this earth. So God, as we receive communion, may our message be heard in the life of our family, careers, church, and in the kingdom of darkness.
In Jesus' name, amen. You may receive communion. I want to challenge you to do communion at home. Get a bagel, get a piece of bread, get a Pop-Tart. I don't care. Do communion at home every day. Preach your sermon at home every day. You're struggling with illness? Find yourself at the table, the table of the Lord. Struggling with anger? Receive communion. Take it right in the middle of your pain, right in the middle of your anger. There is a season... We're carrying, we're really struggling in our marriage. Really bad. And she brought communion home. She piled a bunch in her purse. And she took the initiative. I wish I had done it as a spiritual leader. I just, the Lord had put it on her heart. told her, you and Trey need to just take communion every day. Just pray together and receive communion every day. And there was such a healing that took place in our marriage, our communication, our patience, our grace, our mercy for one another. Communion is not just a symbolic act that we go through. It is a spiritual transaction where our agreement with heaven shakes the very core of our life. I believe in the next 12 months, God is going to connect very deeply with you. And I can't wait to be part of the journey. Will you please stand to your feet this morning? God is good, amen. So good, so good. Father, I come before you today. I thank you for this church. This church who walks in authority, who walks in power. God, I thank you for a people who are hungry for you. A people who have been craving connection with one another. Craving connection with the city. Craving connection with you. God, let us even get connected to ourselves. God, let the truth begin to surface in who we are. God, I thank you for what the Spirit is doing among us. In Jesus' name, I pray, let the church say, amen. Be blessed. We love you guys. Take what you received in here and give it to someone out there. God bless you.